0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today, and we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: The sermon is called This is Church, and uh, we've got two more left in this series, and then we're going to kind of do a playoff of that and go into This is and we're going to talk about different attributes of, of what God wants us to do. But uh, today we're going to be talking about this is church salt and light. What it means to be salt and light. Uh, we're going to talk about salt this week, light next week, and. Um, I want us to uh, kind of dive into Matthew, the fifth chapter, and kind of go through uh, verses 13 through 16. Uh, this is part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount uh, that, that was being presented by Jesus, considered his uh, probably most powerful sermon that he preached that we know of. Um, because there, there was a lot of things that Jesus said that we don't have record of. the Bible is clear about that. There were, so there's many things that he spoke uh, he said, to the point that, that if the books were written, the world couldn't contain the volumes of books of the things that he said and did. And so his life was uh, full and, and we've got kind of the cliff notes of that today and we're going to talk about this Sermon on the Mount uh, or part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we look both for the that qual- uh, we're going to look at the qualities of of salt, and next week, of course, we'll go into light, but we want to talk about how it creates thirst, it seasons, it's a part of sacrifice, it's a preservative, and it is a cleansing agent, and it exposes uh, exposes, and guides us, uh, and we're going to look into those areas today, but let's begin with Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 16. Let's just read through that. There are two things that, are, uh, that, that, uh, that, that I want us to kind of get a hold of in this, and, and we're going to look at them in detail, but let's read those Glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, uh, there's two things that I want us to see of, uh, about salt today and, or, and and light, but particularly, like I said, we're going to focus on salt. Number one, that uh, uh, salt, uh, too little of it, your food can be under seasons. Too, uh, too much of it, you can ruin the taste of your food. Um, after uh, giving the sermon uh, known as the Sermon of Beatitudes, uh, uh, the B's, so to speak, the B E, apostrophe S's, where Jesus talks about what our attitudes as a Christian should be like, uh, he moves on to what type of influence we need to have in the world around us. Jesus is saying, those who are my disciples need to affect the world in a positive way, not only by the way that they live their lives, but also the words that they say. So, as we look into this passage today, and as we kind of break it down and, and dissect it out, we're going to be talking about the, the, the different attributes of salt and how that, how that should be applied to the Christian life. Um, again, he said, what you are, look at somebody and say you. Now, look at them with your preaching finger. Everybody get it ready and say, you are the salt of the earth. You are. Uh, And he says, if you aren't salty enough, guess what? If you lose your saltiness, it can't be restored. It's no longer good for anything. Salt represents our influence in the world the way it ought to be. Not necessarily how it is, but how it ought to be. In ancient times, salt was seen as a necessary part of life. Thus, great uh, value was placed upon salt. If you happen to have a salt mine, you were a very wealthy person in ancient times. Because of its and perspective qualities salt was one of the most highly prized minerals of ancient of the ancient world salt was so important so th- that it oftentimes it was used for money or a monetary uh, compensation in fact the english word for salary anybody get a salary you get a paycheck the english word is derived from the latin word uh, saltarium which is refers to the payment of roman soldiers roman soldiers would sometimes elect to be paid in salt isn't that a amazing so we, we take it for granted but sometimes roman soldiers it was so valuable they would elect to be paid in salt that's where we get our term are you ready for this i like to look at stuff like this i think it's cool um you aren't worth your salt That's where that came from. Uh, Anybody anybody ever says that, you say, hey, I know where that came from. It came from ancient Rome. You aren't worth your salt. And that comes from the fact that you didn't do enough to to earn your salt, your pay. And so, again, uh, it was of great value. It was of great worth. Today, we really don't think much about salt unless our doctor tells us we got too much of it. Amen. In other words, if we get high blood pressure or uh, uh, and we put too much on our steak or too much on our food, we, we, we'll be cautioned about it. Often we think of salt as a condiment that sits on a shelf over the dining room alone, uh, along with the pepper. In a bottle with holes in the top, in other words, we don't pay much attention to salt. How was the last time you sat down at a table, when did you pick up the salt shaker and say, wow, salt, did y'all see the salt? Okay, Anybody? I'm the only one that did that at Longhorn. I'm just kidding. I did not but we don't pay it much attention but back in the days of Jesus people thought a lot about salt placing so much value on it that it was a, it, it would make a person wealthy if they happened to have plenty of it it was it was it was depended upon greatly so when Jesus likened his disciples to salt this was not him saying you're worthless you're something that just sits around on the table worthless he was saying you have great value and importance in this world you are so important important that you are like salt. But if you lose your saltiness, then you are worthless to the world around you. You're worthless to the cause uh, 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 that I have for you. So don't lose your saltiness is the, the, the point of the message. So everybody says, all right, dismiss, we can go home. No, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Salt has several different attributes, and we're going uh, to talk about those, and we're going to apply them to our Christian experience today. In other words, if we're going to be church, we need to be what Jesus told us to be. And Jesus told us to be salt, and he told us to be light, and that means that we need to be doing some things. If we we're, we're going to be like salt, then let's look at those attributes and apply them. If you have eaten anything that's really salty, then you know it creates what? Thirst. It makes you thirsty. If you get enough salt, you get thirsty. In other words, that's why the movie theater over salts their popcorn so you will buy overpriced drinks. Amen. There's a little trade secret. I don't know if it is or not, but I, I think they do that on purpose because they want you to buy more, more drinks. Guess what? If you get too much of it, it makes you thirsty. Whenever we come in and set into a setting, whether it is business, social, or, or, or should, it should be evident that when people see our lives, they see so much of Jesus, it creates a thirst, not for us, but a thirst for him. They should look and say, I want what they have have. In other words, I believe that there has to be a fundamental change in the way that Christians are living their lives today. In other words, we have lived our lives too much thinking in this terms of, what will I get out of it? It is not what you and I get out of the Christian experience. It's what we put into it. God is looking for you and I to be someone that is so effective at our job or at our school or in our family that we create a thirst for Christ in someone's life, that they look at us and say, I want what's in you. You're going through the same stuff I went through. You're going through trials and difficulties, but there is something in you that makes me want what you have. Do you have a thirst for God in your life that creates a thirst for God in others? Amen. Like salt, Christians should promote a thirst for Christ. Our job as Christians is to make others thirsty for Jesus, because Jesus is what He is—the living water that leads to everlasting life. The Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said to her in John fourteen or four fourteen, "Whoever drinks of this water shall, shall give uh, that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain." Of water springing up into everlasting life. As salt creates thirst within the people around us, we should point them to the source that will quench their thirst. I want you to understand: religion will not quench your thirst. Being uh, uh, th- being being holy in your own mind and doing what what is morally right will not quench your thirst. The only thing that's going to quench your thirst is Jesus this morning. And I want you to understand: this world is thirsty. They are. Th- thirsting for something greater they are thirsting for something real and some of them don't even know what it is some of them will look at you and say i tried jesus and it didn't work i want you to know most of them tried religion and religion will fail you but jesus does not want you to be religious this morning he wants you to come into a relationship with him so that you're drinking from the well of life and that your thirst is satisfied and oh my goodness by jesus Are you thirsty this morning and are you creating a thirst in others? Number two, guess what? Salt is a seasoning. And you know that? Salt seasons things. Salt has always been used as one of the most important food seasonings there is. Even judges on cooking shows judge dishes whether they have enough salt or not. Such a salt, small substance makes a whole lot of difference in the world around us. Even though salt is so small yet hardly noticeable, it makes a difference when it is applied to something. In other words, I... Our lives should make a difference when we apply us to any situation. Our marriages should be more salty than any other marriages, and I don't mean that the way the world means it. Why are you being so salty? (laughs) Man, y'all ruining words. Our marriages should be something that shows flavor to the world around us. The flavor of Jesus. Our relationships, our jobs, where we're at, what we're doing should represent flavor in this world. In other words, one of the most awful things I've ever been around is a flavorless child of God. You ever been around a flavorless child of God? I have. They go around and they're so holy, they're no good to nobody. What are you doing? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. God is so good, you should straighten your life out. Sour, sad, detached people who are supposed to have the joy of the Lord overflowing in their hearts and in their lives. I want you to hear me this morning, church. God is ready for us to bring flavor to the world around us. And we cannot flavor this world around us if we do not have Jesus in our lives. Job 6.6 says this. Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Just Can, can a life without flavor... Amen. Some of us are just getting by. By the way, some of you, if you think your life's boring, you need to get a hold of Jesus. Now I don't know what you did on Saturday night, but I sat in a circle of people worshiping Jesus, and man, it was awesome. It was awesome. We had congas. We had we we had what do you call that thing? Kabasa. I, I think of I Mexican food every time I hear a cabasa. Anyway, a box that Brady beat on—that'll help y'all out. And what was the other little thing? No, the oh, that was the cabasa. What was the box? Cajon. All my life I've heard it called cajon. Y'all correcting me? They was beating on the boxes, rattling the things, and you know what? Though Jesus was here. Man, I left here and my cup was overflowing. Why? Because there's flavor in God. There's excitement in God. And I don't know what kind of God you've been serving, but my God's a God that excites me. As salt, we should be the seasoning of everything that is around us. I do believe Christians should be the life of the party in a godly way. I think we should be people that that, that others are drawn to. In other words, have you met somebody like that in your life that you're drawn to them because there's something about them that is flavorful? There's something about their personality that is just different from the world around us? I'm here to tell you, God needs to get, some of us, it wouldn't kill us to smile. Is he talking to me? Probably. (laughs) If you have to ask yourself that question, (laughs) probably. Probably. Number three, salt is used in sacrifices. Did you know that? Salt was used to flavor the offerings of sacrifice. Now, I, I, that one kind of got me. Why would God need a flavorful sacrifice? Because God wants flavorful things in, in his presence. He doesn't want these you know, robots that are coming in and we go through the motions of worship and we say all the right words and we pray all the right prayers and we can recite the Lord's prayer by heart and we go John three sixteen by heart and, and and we, we can do all these robotic actions as children of God. God is not looking for that. God is looking for your life to bring flavor before his throne. He is looking for you to bring passion before his throne, excitement before his throne. He is looking for people who realize that if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. How about you? If it wasn't for Jesus, I would be headed for hell. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have life. It's because of Jesus. I have flavor in my life. It was used in sacrifices. Leviticus, the second chapter, verse 13 says, And every offering of grain you offer, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of your covenant. I want you to catch that phrase, of your covenant of your God to be lacking for your grain offering. With and with all you your offerings, you shall offer salt. Isn't that amazing? It's in the Old Testament. In order for our lives to be a living sacrifice to God, we must bring a seasoned life before the Lord. God does not want your dead, lifeless robotic worship this morning. He wants you to worship him in life and in passion and with flavor. Romans the 12th chapter, verse 1 says that you and I are also a sacrifice. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice in the vicar of in in Leviticus, it says, the salt of the covenant. A covenant is an agreement. A covenant is a promise. It's more, actually a little deeper in the Hebrew language than what we would say is a promise. It is something that if it is broken, you have committed a major sin. He's saying, let your covenant with me be salty. Let it have flavor in it. In other words, some of us, we got saved and we were full of the joy of the Lord. We were full of the power of the Holy Spirit. But over time, we became more and more religious And less and less about that experience. I want to remind you today that who the Son has set free is not just free at that moment, but he is free indeed, which means his freedom goes on and on and on. I don't know about you, but I feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this house this morning. How about you? If you do, give him a big old praise this morning. I feel God in this house. And what is he saying to you and I? He's saying, I want your life, your sacrifice of your life to be full of flavor, full of salt, full of salt. Salt also represents a relationship between friends. In other words, there's an Arabic saying that says there is salt between us, which means, means there's flavor between us. You got a friend, there's flavor between you. In other words, you just, they just get you. They just get you, and then you got some other friends, they don't get you, all right? I can promise you, you hang out with me and Tina, you'll think, man, they just, they're ruthless. We are. We are ruthless. She, she's going to work the other day. She said, I love you. I said, you make me sick. She said, not as much as I'm sick. You know, So y'all shouldn't do that. You got to understand the nature of the relationship. There's a lot of flavor there, buddy. There's a lot of flavor there. What kind of flavor is there between you and your relationship with God? Well, he saved me. Well, praise God. It's good. But do you walk with him every day? And is there flavor in your experience with him? that you experience him not just when you're at church, but you experience him in the morning. You experience him on your ride to work or school. You experience him while you're at work or at school. You experience God and you begin to see that this God is not a God that is distant that says, I'm going to save you and one day I'll see you. He says, no, I'm going to save you and then I'm going to stick with you. Religion is killing people. It is killing people. Number Number five, salt cleanses. Salt is a metaphor symbolizing the spiritual cleansing or purification of the disciples. In other words, the purification is the dominant trait of the disciples of Christ. Jesus emphasizes the need for this spiritual purification because uh, because he was concerned for the world that he wanted to reach. In other words, he's saying, look, if you are going to affect this world around us, your saltiness should be purifying you. Do you realize that in ancient times, salt was carried on the battlefield and it was poured into wounds? You say, oh man, that had to hurt, but it was a purifying agent. It would help cleanse the bacteria of that wound. And so they would pour pure pure salt into the wounds uh, uh, if if someone was wounded on the battlefield. Why? Because they didn't have what we have today. And and so a lot of times it was a life-saving agent. I want you to understand, we live in a very wounded world and the church has done enough damage wounding people. Come on. It is time for the church to carry salt into this world and say, let us help heal the wounds of a hurting world through the power of Jesus and through the saltiness of our Savior. In other words, there's some things that need to be mended in this room. There are wounds in this room. And Jesus is here to bring healing to you today. Amen. He's ready to bring healing to your life today. And it comes through cleansing. Salt is a preservative. For thousands of years, people used salt to preserve their meats. They did it because they had lack refrigeration, and they didn't have what we have today to keep things uh, pure or clean or without spoiling. Salt was therefore important for the survival for survival of people because it was uh, the only way they had to preserve uh, their substance or their food. The salt was rubbed into the meat before it was stored. Salt was uh, uh, was arrested uh, uh, was was used to keep the de- to arrest the decay process of the meat. In the same way, Jesus is wanting to do that in us to hinder the work of the decay that Satan is unleashing on a world today. Jesus went on to say that if the salt was to lose its flavor or its saltiness, it wouldn't be good for anything. Now, technically speaking of salt, salt cannot lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride or salt is a stable compound. Amen, Ashley Sanford. But be, but because, she's a science teacher for those of y'all who didn't know. But, because, but back then, Israel's salt Was collected from around the Dead Sea. I want you to think about that, where the crystals were contaminated with other minerals. And while it may look like salt, it wasn't. It would it would be thrown out because it would have no value. In much the same way, we can lose our saltiness, our influence in this world when we mix ourselves with the world. In fact, people can't tell the difference a lot of times. Psalms 12, verses 6 and 7 says, The word of the Lord's, the word of the words of the Lord. Are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O oh Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from the, this generation forever. I want you to understand. God is ready for the church to preach a pure message once again, a true message once again. That uh, not knowing the truth is killing people spiritually all over this world. How do you know that's happening? Because people are hearing what they want to hear, and they're not hearing what the word of God. God is instructing and teaching us. And it's like us saying, look, a doctor looking at you and going in a few months later to say, Doc, I've been losing weight since the last time I was in here, and I just don't know what's going on. And him go, well, I didn't really want to tell you, but you had cancer, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want the truth to affect you and be negative in your life. So I withheld the truth to make you feel better for a little while longer. But now it's too late. I want you to understand that is a description of what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. That there are going to be a lot of people that turn and say, Why didn't you tell me the truth? Why didn't you share with me the truth? But now it's too late. Church, there is a redeeming revival going on, not just in America, but throughout this world. And it is a revival of, let's get back to what thus saith the word of the Lord. Listen, you getting what you want to hear is not going to help you when you got cancer. I want to know what can cure it. I want to know the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. But it is because of the truth that I come to the saving knowledge that Jesus saves. Jesus delivers. George Barner in Barner surveys wrote this. The average Christian in, in the average church is almost indistinguishable from the rest of society. The fundamental morals and ethical differences that Christ can make in how we live have, uh, have gone missing. When our teens, uh, when uh, when our teens, we claim to be in our teens, we claim to be saved, and and then all of a sudden, we live a life contrary to that, uh, all the way through adulthood. Our lives do not bear forth fruit of repentance. We live in uh, in. non-monogamous relationships. We, in other words, we have sex outside of marriage. We don't promote good moral values. We 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 live just like the world. We cheat, we lie, we steal. We do whatever it takes. I want you to understand when Jesus saved you, he wanted you to be set apart. He said, you're gonna live in the world, but you don't need to be of the world. You, I am going to save you and deliver you, but I'm putting you right back in this world, not to be just like them, not to be indistinguishable of of the world but to be distinguishable not that you might be higher than anybody else but that people might look at you and say what is the difference in your life I'm going to tell you what the difference is Jesus is the difference Jesus is the one that saved me Jesus is the one that delivered me Jesus is the one that set me free Jesus is the one that set me apart and without him I am nothing without him I fall apart he is my A to Z or in the Greek he is my alpha to omega he is the beginning and the end he is my he he'll be my last. He's the thing I think of when I wake up. He's what I think of when I go to sleep. He's all in between. Jesus is everything in my life, and without him, I would unravel. Aren't you thankful for the saving, redeeming, sustaining, persevering power of Jesus in your life? I don't have that. You can today. You can today. So, when Jesus saves us, he saves us to set us apart and to set us free. But salt is no good if it stays in the shaker. (coughs) Salt is no good if it stays in the shaker. Too many Christians keeping the salt in the shaker. I, I have some hypertension, so I was trying to do some things different, and I bought some salt substitute. That stuff's nasty you want to go to hell you can use it so i felt i love the devil nasty stuff Mm. my doctor said didn't say cut it out i just said cut it back and i don't eat a lot of salt But then I got to thinking about this message, and I thought, how many times do, I don't resalt my food. Now, some of you may, I don't resalt my food. Mason Jenkins resalts his food. (laughs) Just go out to lunch with him, and he will salt your chips before you eat them. I know when I'm sitting next to Mason, (laughs) because I grab a chip, and I'm like, oh, my God, wow. I love that guy. But if the salt stays in the shaker, how's this world going to see revival? And will it get criticized when it's let out of the shaker? Just ask some of the people that are experiencing revival in our country right now. They're being criticized. They're being, you know, ostracized. True revival will bring a critical eye. It will. And I want you to understand the sad truth is when it comes from the church is where it bothers me. Is everything perfect about it? No. Is there some things that need to be corrected? Probably. But how many of you would say, I'm ready for the salt to come out of the shaker? The church is not a warehouse of salt. It is supposed to be dispensed. It's supposed to be shaken out. It's supposed to be shaken out of you and out of me to make contact with others for Christ. If it stays in the shaker, we only flavor ourselves. The problem is, is that we need to affect this world and we can't do it if we aren't salty God is looking for those who are ready to live a flavorful life. Amen? Bland, tasteless Christianity will never bring a church to revival, and it will never bring a world to the cross. And I separate those two intentionally. Revival is about God's children getting excited And when God's children get excited, evangelism takes place. That's reaching souls. Today, God's ready to do a work in you. Will you stand? So what is being salty? Well, I call it church. And today, I just want us, if we would, while the praise team's coming for us, Our intercessors, if you would just come and just be, stand to the side, just be ready. If someone needs prayer, to come pray with them. But this morning, if you're in this place and you need a touch from God, your life needs some flavor. Because you've, you know, the thing is, I want to go back to salt substitute. We're using the wrong things to try to get flavor in our life. We're substituting to try to bring flavor. And it doesn't measure up. And this morning, God's ready to fill your life with flavor. That when you walk out of here, the Holy Spirit, man, when you go eat your lunch, whether wherever it's at. If you're eating just with your family at the house and having you a sandwich, when you reach for the salt shaker or you look and you see that salt shaker, I want you to think about this message. And you may not even use any salt at lunch, but if you're at a restaurant, is the server seeing Jesus in your life or are they seeing an impatient, upset person? By the way, they know you've been to church. When you are sitting across the table with your family and you're being short with everybody because things aren't going your way, what kind of flavor are they receiving in their lives? As everybody bows their heads all over this building, those that are watching at home, if you need some flavor in your life, come on. And I'm talking to somebody in this room. you just getting by. you just going through the motions, and you are sick of it. You have tried other things, and it's failed you. As a matter of fact, it's become more destructive. I found out something about salt substitutes. They're more damaging than the real thing. Today, I'm offering you some hope. I'm offering you the flavor of Jesus in your life. And I'm going to put it like I put it for several months now. You've tried everything else. Why not just give it a try? Why not try to give Jesus everything in your life and see what happens? And if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to find your way to this altar and come. Will you come? To find your way to this altar and kneel. Find your way to this altar and pray. And just say, God, I'm ready for some flavor in my life. I'm ready, God, for my life to affect others, Lord, for you. Jesus, I need you more than I need anything else. If that's you, I want you to find your way right now. I know God's spoken to somebody in this room, and you need to respond. Some of you, you're just getting by. You're just getting by. Some of you, you've got a slow bull going on in your life. You're getting upset at some things, and it's showing little by little because you're not bringing it to Jesus. Or you're giving up on situations. Because you're not bringing it to Jesus. Don't give up this morning. Bring it to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to come right now. Come on, don't hesitate. Slip out of your seat. Slip out of your seat. I'll wait on somebody else. Don't wait on somebody else. You come get what Jesus has for you today. You come get what Jesus has for you. There's some others. Come on, let's make our way right now. Come on, let's make our way right now. God's ready to do a work in your life. God's ready to do a work in your life. But you've got to make your way to this altar right now. Come on. Come on. What will people think? Who cares? Who cares? God's ready for your life to be full of the flavor of the Spirit, full of the flavor of Jesus. Will you come? Will you come?
0: We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.